and never after Shiloh. Good evening. Tonight we're learning Masech Asimah Daf Yud. And we are starting four, five lines from the bottom on Daf Testament Bays. Yesterday we spoke about a brief story where we highlighted that uh, that Rish Lakish was in the Yardane. And Rabbi Barbarhana was there to pull him out of the Yardane, to give him a hand to help him get out of the Yardane. So five lines from the Gemara, from the bottom of Daf Testament Beis, the Gemara has a problem with that. Reish Lakish would talk to Rabbi Barbarhana. What is the Gemara talking about? Of course, why wouldn't they talk? They were both great Amorim. So the assumption in the Mephorshim is that Reish Lakish would only speak to people who were of the perfectly highest caliber. Says the Gemara, Reish Lakish Barbarhana. Uma Rebbe Elazar, the Amora, the Mora de Ara de Israel Haba. Rebbe Elazar was the greatest of the great. He was the, the, the head of Eretz Yisrael. Below Haba Mishtai Reish Lakish Bahadeh. And when they were in public, Reish Lakish wouldn't even speak to Rebbe Elazar, who was Mamish the Gadol Hador of Eretz Yisrael at the time. Demand the Mishtai Reish Lakish Bahadeh, but Shuk, you have a Iska below Sade. Anyone with whom Reish Lakish would have a conversation in public, they instantly earn public credibility and their business would be would be booming instantly. So he was very careful with who he spoke to. So, Bahadeh Rabbi Barachana Mishtai, Rabbi Barachana, who wasn't the Gadol Hador, big Talmud Chacham nevertheless, but he wasn't the Gadol Hador. So then says the Gemara, there's no way, that, that, that doesn't make any sense. Reish Lakish didn't talk to everybody. In fact, he only spoke to very select people. If he didn't talk to Rabbi Lazar, he certainly wasn't gonna talk in public to Rabbi Barachana. Says the Gemara, you're right, you're right. Of course that was the case. Amar, Rav Papa, Shadi Gavra Benayu. There must be some, another person in the mix here. Oh, Reish Lakish Hava Uzeira. It might have been Reish Lakish who was in the water and Ziiri who was helping him. And the Meforshim here point out that Ziiri was an unquestionable tzaddik. Whether you looked within the Jewish people and without, everybody knew him to be a tzaddik. So that is a person that Reish Lakish would speak with. Oh, Rabba Barbarachana Hava Rabbi Or the person in the water and the person helping him wasn't Reish Lakish, neither of them were Reish Lakish, and therefore a problem solved. When this story came in front of Rav Yochanan, not the story we just read, but the story that we learned about 10 lines up yesterday, where we were told that those who live in Bavel were considered to be hated, because remember, we said that if for those, uh, that Luach uh, Orez, that those people were considered like wood, that they could rot. So it was an insult to them to say that the, that, the, that the Babylonians were not such good people because they didn't come up from Ezra by the end of the Gullus. It says the Gemara, when this vort about the, about the Babylonians came in front of Rav Yochanan, Omar isn't, isn't the real reason, and there should be a dollar here, the Inami, Everyone knows that even in, in Beis HaMikdasheni, even if they all would have come up with Ezra, it wouldn't have changed anything. The Shekhinah wouldn't have dwelled in the second Beit HaMikdash. Either way, deceive. As the Pasuk writes, What does this Pasuk mean? How do we see from this Pasuk that, uh, that there was no Shekhinah to be sure in the second Beis HaMikdash? So as you turn to the top of Yudam the Gemara explains, even though we'll see in Rashi what this means. So what, what does this drasha mean? So Rashi, the first one on the page, so Rashi explains as follows. So Yefes is a reference to Shazachu Parsim, Livnos Bayis Sheni, 
the people who built the, uh, sorry, by Sheni, comma. And ain't shechina shor ela b'mikdash rishon shavana shlomo shabami zaro shel shame. So when the pasuk says yefes, it's a reference to paras. It's a reference to the Persians. And when the pasuk says shame, that is a reference to shlomo. So if we look at the pasuk again, as quoted on the very bottom of Testament base, yafte lokim liyefes. The beauty of the mikdash was built by yefes, the descendants of yefes who were the Persians. The yishkon ba'olei shame, but the shechina will only dwell by shame, namely. By those who are the descendants of shame, that would be Shlomo. So that means only in the first base of Mikdash by Shlomo was there uh, was there Hashra Sashchina, but not in the second base of Mikdash, which was built by the Persians. So it says the Gemara, how do you know that Yefes is related to Persians? How do you know that that's the case? That when the Pasuk says Yafta Lukim Yefes, that that's a reference to Persians, says the Gemara, um, I thought this was a little ironic. I did a bris this morning. Half the family was all Persians. I walked in there like, hello, Rabbi Jun. You know, like they have this very loving uh, tune to them. And they're like a lot of very, very fond words that they use. So it was very, I just thought it was like pretty ironic. I just finished preparing for Daf Yomi. I walked in, the whole house is Persian. I'm like, kidding. I just learned about all the Persians who built the second base in Mikdash. Anyway, what? I didn't reference it. A little awkward. Like, oh, your accent reminds me of Daf Yomi. You know, the Persians when there was no holiness in the temple. So I decided to drop it. So... They were Jewish persons. They were very Jewish persons. Yeah. Yeah. He was so excited to be a Sandik, the Sephardim. He would like his, you know, Machter Torah. I got very serious about it. It was beautiful. The Gemara writes, How do we know that the that Persians were descendants of Yefes? It says that all the children of Yefes, all of these names. And now let's do some uh, some drushas. All of the names that we are about to see are found in Eastern Europe and Western Europe and what today is probably even close to Asia. It says the Gemara as well as Gomer, Zegarmamia. The Gemara says Garmamia. That sounds quite similar to, to Garmania. And in fact, the Gra here right on the side writes, it's not Garmamia, it's Garmania, and it means Germany. And the language of Germany is from our Gemara. It's not uh, something that was made up uh, 500 years ago. We knew this thousands of years ago. This is old news. Uh, Magog is a Kandia. And Kandia, the Gemara says, is Crete, which is near Italy. Um, then there's a big gear to change in the Gemara. So let's look at the Hagos Abach and Os Katan Aleph. And he writes there, Madai Kemashma'o, Yavan Zumakdonia, Bechain Iker. Madai Zumashma'o, that's the city of Madai or the country of Madai, and Yavan is Macedonia. And then let's continue with the next line, Toval Zeb base Onaiki, which is a place close to Turkey. Meshach Zomusia, similar location as well. What does Tiras mean? That's a Machloka, it's the city of Tiras, who was the youngest child of Yefes. So Pligiba Rav Simae Virabanan, it's a machloka between Rav Simon and the rabbis. Some say it was a different person, Rav Simon Virabanan. Chadam based Triki, still a different place. This is called uh, Thrace. Which is uh, some place that was near Greece, and um, and Bechad Amar Pras and Tani Rabbi Yosef Tirazo Pras. So what's Pras? Pras is the youngest child of Yefes. So therefore, we see that Pras is a descendant of Yefes. The Gemara is now going to go for the next uh, 15, 20 lines about drushos that have different names of cities, different names of people, and what they actually mean. So the Pasuk here reads that those are very similar words, says the Gemara, where about 10 lines down on Yudam Aleph says the Gemara as follows. Tani Rav Yosef, Sikistan, it's a village at Gaviyasa. There was an inner village, the Sikistan Bar Yasin. There was an outer village as, as well. 
it seems to appear that it was like concentric rings where the inner city was one was like in a circle and around it there was another city that lived in that in the ring around it bein chada lechada between each of these uh, concentric ring cities mea parse at the very large distance the hekefa alpha alpha parse and the circumference was one thousand parse you got to do the math we know that circumference is always related to diameter you have to sit down with a with a what do you call those things a compass and you got to sit there and you got to do the math and a ruler and figure out if all the math works which i can't remember which one is which is the things we don't use anymore that's whatever it is the pasuk reads about the reishis mamlachto bavel ve'erech ve'akad ve'chalnei uh, so the Pasuk speaks about uh, different cities. Bavel Kemashma, that's a reference to, to Bavel. Arachze Orichus, this is the city where Avraham was born, the city of Ur, um, as reference here. Ve'akadze Bashkar, which is a city that was in the northern part of Bavel. Kalnei ze Nofer Ninfi, big machlokas as to what this means. It was at some distance away from Bavel. Bavel. The next Pasuk, Mina Aretzahi Atza Ashur, what does that mean? Tani Rav Yosef Ashur ze Silak. So what is Silak? So this is the city that was near the Tigris. Next pasuk, even as Ninveh Vesrechavos here, Ves Kalach. So what are, what are all of these locations? Ninveh Kimashmo, as we know from the famous story of Yonah. Rechavos Ha'ir, Rechavos Ir, what does that refer to? Zeh Prastameshan. This is also by the very uh, fertile grounds of the Tigris and the Euphrates. Kalach Zeh Prastaborsif, also in that same location. Ves Resen, Ben Ninveh Uben Kalach, He Ha'ir Hagdola. What does it mean? Uh, what are these different locations? Resen, Zaktitzvah, and this is the Machlokas Rishonim, actually, um, as to what city this is. Was it in Eretz Yisrael, or was it part of Ashur? And what does the Pasuk mean when it says, Hi ha'ir ha'gdola? Which one was it referring to? So I don't know which one it is. Which one is considered the big city? Is it Ninveh, or is it uh, or is it the other city, which is, which one is it? Resen. So it says the Gemara, Kshehu Omer, we're about halfway down. Zagmar concludes, uh, based on the continuation of the Psukim, that the bigger city was Ninveh. The Pasuk continues last of the very short lines. Not the famous Psukim about the giants. Tana. So the Bryce explains as follows. He was more talented than his brothers. He was more, he was better trained. Sheshai. When he would walk, he was such a big guy, he would crush everything on the ground under him, like out of the movies. Just these huge, massive, big feet. Says the Gemara Talmai. The name Talmai is from the word Telem, which means a furrow, well, like when you're when you're doing plowing. When he would step down, it would kick up dirt at the outsides of his feet, and he would create these furrows in the ground. Another approach is, no, their names were not specific to uh, to what you thought it meant in regards to different ways of approaching the ground. He built the city of Anas, his brother built Alush, and Talmai, Bona Talush. What does the Pasuk mean when it says, the children of the Anak, says the Gemara, of course, they would wear as a, as an adornment. They'd wear the sun as like a necklace. The Komasa, when they were standing up tall, these people were not like the rest of us. We're not talking about a seven-footer. doesn't say how tall they were, but they were so big that when the sun was shining, it looked like they had a little gem hanging on their chest. That's how big these people were. Of course, it's their Mashal. The Gemara is going to switch gears now. We're three lines, uh, we're three lines into well, the first of the very long lines, end of the line. Amar Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, Amar Rabbi. Asida Rome Shetipo Biad Prasit. In due time, the Romans will fall to the hands of the Persian. Shinemar Lachin Shimu Atsas Hashem Asher Ya'at El Edom. 
This is a reference to Paras. So Maski Flo Rabba Barula, my Mashma Daitsiriatson Parasu. How do you know that when it says in the Pasuk Tsiriason that they're going to be put into the hands of the Romans? How do you know that when it says Tsiriason, it's talking about Paras? The Gemara answers two-thirds of the way down. So it says a smaller animal, and it says Madayu Paras. So it seems to be clear that when it talks about these small animals, that it's referencing Paras. It says the Gemara Lavdafka. Not true. Maybe we could also say it's the Greeks. We see the seir is also a small animal, and there we see it's Yavan, so lav dafka. So instead of the Gemara, he salik Rav Chaviva bar Surmiki when uh, he went uh, when he was traveling. And he said in front of someone, Amarle, they said to him, what are you talking about? If you don't know how to read basic shot in Sukim, mostly of Tiyuv Tal Rebbe. You're going to go to the Gadol Hador and start asking kashas on a Pasuk? You know, sometimes when you're on a Gadol, you like feel the need to ask a question, but you shouldn't ask a klutz kasha. You should be asking something that's a good kasha. So if you don't even know how to read the Pesukim, you're going to go and sit. I've done this before many times. When you ask a question, you think you really know what you're talking about, and you're clueless. They look at you like you're crazy. So he says, you can't even read the Pesukim. You're already asking all these questions. What does it mean, Tzireyatzon? Pasha, it's talking about Zutra de Achoi. It's the youngest of all of the children, youngest of all the children of Yefes, like we saw on the top of the page, the Tani Rav Yosef Tirazopras. So we know that Tzirei Hatzon is in fact a reference to Pras, and therefore Rome uh, will conquer Persia. That's what the Pasuk above was referencing when it said Tzirei Hatzon. And the Gemara here seems to agree, but based on something else, I'm a Rabbi Barbachan, I'm Rabbi Yochan, I'm Mishim, Rabbi Yudabari, Rabbi Loi. I see the Romish people be at Pras. Rome will... Uh, will fall to the hands of the Persians, Kalvachomer. And here's the logic that the Gemara employs. The first base of Mikdash was built by the descendants of Shem, namely Shlomo HaMelech. And who destroyed it? And the people from Kastim, the, which is a reference to the, to the Babylonians, the Kastim, as we just said, or Kastim was a city in Babel. We saw that above the city of Erech, was Arichus, which was the city of war, which was right near Babel. So the Kastim were the ones who destroyed it. And Naflu Kastim, Biyad Parsim. So then, Mikdashenim, Shebena'u Parsim, Vecharivu, Romim. The Romans were the lowest of the pack. They destroyed the base of Mikdash. Romim, Biyad Parsim. All the more so that the Romans should fall into the hands of the Persians. Omar Rav, Rav says, I see the pras, Shetip will be at Romim the other way, that the Persians are going to fall into the hands of the Romans. Says the Gemara, that's not right. The people who built it, they did a good thing. And they're going to be put into the hands of those who destroyed it. That doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right. It seems like it would make more sense that the people who built the Mikdash should have more merit than the people who destroyed it. So Amar in yes, it is in fact the case, but not because it's logical, but rather because Xeras Melechu. In fact, the case that Pras will fall, Paras, that the Persians will fall to the hands of the Romans because it's like Zeras Melech, Lavdafka, that it's necessarily logical. They did build the base on Miktosh, which was a, an asset that was good for them. Ikad Amri, some say, yeah, they built it, but they weren't such Sadiqim. Amar Lahu, Inhu Nami Haka, Satri Bekanishta. They also did destroy Shuls along the way. They weren't so perfect, the Persians. They did build the base on Miktosh, but they destroyed a lot of things along the way. The Brisa writes exactly like this. I see the Rumi that the persons will fall to the hands of the Romans for two reasons. One is because they all they did destroy some Batim 
biyad zosrin. And as well, there's a gzera tamelech, HaKadosh Baruch, who has a gzera that those who built the second base of would fall to the hands of those who will destroy it. And this gzera also applies by us. Amar of Yehudim Arab, in Ben David Ba, Ad Shetip Shod Malchus Romi HaRisha B'chol HaOlam Kulo, Ben David is not going to show up until Rome. Uh, the evil Rome will, uh, will, um, Evil Romans will uh, run over the whole world for Tisha Chodashim Shinemar Lachain Yidneim Ad Eis Yoladayalda. It should be the amount of time it takes to have a Chav Yisro Chav Yeshuv and Al Bnei So it's going to take nine months of their leadership, and then uh, and then Ben David will come. So all of that is, is all B'Torah Gzera Samelech, and all of that is the Agadata for tonight, explaining various Psukim. Will Rome be in the hands of the Persians or vice versa? And as we started. To make sure that uh, Rish Lakish, as we started tonight, would only speak to people who are of the mamish, the highest of caliber, uh, because everyone who he spoke to was was basically amazing, uh, better than amazing. If Rabbi Barbar Khanna didn't make the cut, we'd all be in a lot of trouble. Uh, Rish Lakish would have no one to talk to in our culture. Says the Gemara, the two dots, a total shift in direction back to where we were, into a sugya of Hilchos Mezuzah. Hilchos Mezuzah. Says the Gemara, as follows, Tanur and the rabbis have taught us. In a Tosefta. What does the Tosefta say? In all of the rooms in the Beis HaMikdash, there were no mezuzahs. With the exception of the Parhedron. What room is the Parhedron? That's what we've been talking about, the whole Masechta, that the Kohen Gadol for Yom Kippur, or the, the Kohen who is going to do the service of the Sreif HaSafara, he would be put into the Lichkas Parhedron. So says the Gemara, there were no mezuzahs in the Beis HaMikdash. Five, six lines from the bottom, Yudam Aleph, that was his room. That was his bedroom. So he, there they put a they put a mezuzah. So I'm Rabbi Huda. No, that's not true. We know that the Kohanim slept in another room uh, with the base Hamokad. There's no mezuzah there. People slept there all the time. What are, what are you talking about? We know halacha so This is our guideline. Anything that's a base dira, anything that's livable, we put a we, we're obligated to put a, a mezuzah, whatever it is. So when we were doing mezuzahs in our houses, there were some openings that had like this. They had a tzuras pesach type of shape. Some openings went all the way up to the ceiling. The ones that went all the way up to the ceiling, you're missing the basic halachic parameter of, uh, of a mashkop and shtei mezuzah. So there's putter. Let's say it's a closet that uh, is less than dalad al dalad. So the, we have a closet in our house that's bigger than dalad al dalad. It has a mezuzah on it. So what are you talking about? There were plenty of places in the mikdash that people, even if they didn't sleep in it, it was the size of a makom dira. It was the size of a base dira. It's very strange. So it says the Huh? Gemara is going to discuss exactly what you're talking about, whether or not it has a din of a bias. But we, what'd you say? You do? Yeah. Yeah, you do. Well, we also have to make sure we're talking about a requirement, Midoraisa versus Dirabana, which the Gemara is going to dig into maybe that some of the rooms that we put them in are not the right. Could be, I don't know about aesthetics, but maybe it's the midst of Dirabana. Yeah. I'm just going to continue now. So Rabbi Huda was of the opinion, no, there was a special din de Rabbanon that does require, um, that does require of, uh, of a mezuzah in that room. It says the Gemara, let's, let's try to understand this. My time at Rabbi Huda, why does he give pshat like that, that there's a special gzera de Rabbanon by the Lishkas Parhedrin? Omar Raba, a correction in the Gemara, because Rabbi Huda. The halacha is that a house that's only seasonal, a place that, not that you don't live in, but a place that you can't live in because it's too cold or because it's too hot for part of the year. So that doesn't have the din of a bias. And therefore, because like Gerald was saying, because it doesn't have a din of a bias, so then there's no din of a mezuzah. So it says the Gemara as follows. That doesn't make any sense. 
Because Valksibi Keti Vesachoref Al Al Beis Hakayis. What do we see from the Gemara? That something that's about the choref is called a bias, and something that's about the kites is also called a bias. So the pasuk is explicit that it refers to places, even when the temperatures are extreme, we still refer to it as a bias. Amar le, no, base choref or base kites, ikre, they're, they're only called that because of where they live, but it's not a bias mamish, bias stama, lo ikre. That can't be, that's not, it doesn't work that way. If it's not a house, it's not a bias as it relates to a mezuzah, unless it's a place that you can be in year round. Says the Gemara asking seemingly out of left field, but we'll connect it back momentarily. Two lines from the bottom. When a sukkah exists on the holiday of sukkahs, it's being used for halachic purposes. The Yehudas have the opinion that you are chayev. Chayev for what? Not mezuzah. What are we talking about here? Maisros. We know, let's take a look at Rashi. Rashi is 10 lines from the bottom of the Rashi's four-fifths of the way down, and Rashi there says, what is he talking about, about the sukkah? What is he talking about? So it says, Rashi, meiser. what does this have to do with meiser? You're allowed to eat achila sarai from, from a collection of food. When is it that we have to stop eating achila sarai by meiser? That's when it sees penei habayis, it sees the face of a house. What about a sukkah? Is a sukkah considered pnei habayis? That's the machlokas we have in our Gemara, three lines from the two lines from the bottom. Sukkah sachag bechag. How would we treat a sukkah as it relates to ro pnei habayis? Do we say that this fulfills the requirement of biarti akodesh min habayis, that this is a bias, even though it's only functional for seven, eight days a year? What does the Brisa say about this idea, about this sheet of Rabbi Huda? Rabbi Huda Mechayev, not only uh, with that, but he says it's Rechayev on all three of them, and it has to be that it's the Oraisa, because if you want to say that this source is saying that the Meiser is only going to be Chayev and it doesn't make sense, I could, I could argue conceptually that there's only a Chayev by the Eruv and by the Mezuzah. We learned the whole Masech, the Masech is Erevin, many times we're only ever requiring Midra because Xerubs, because of uh, Takana, we just have a lot of concerns, a lot of considerations. However, Elamaisa, Elamaiser, last line, last few words, Elamaiser, Mikal and Amir Midrabanan. We don't have this concept of Durabanan by Maiser. Turning to the top of Yudam and Bez, why do we not have that? Because because if you have a din derabanan of meiser, that means it's really it's not chayv and meiser. And if you mix that up with real meiser, you're in big trouble. You could flip flop them, and that which is really chayv midorais and meiser, you'll end up not being maaser, and vice versa. You have to make you have to be careful. So we don't do din derabanan, which means that it has to be a din doraisa. How then do we understand the sheet of Rabbi Yehuda that the lishkas parhedron was only exer derabanan to have a to have a mezuzah there for the coin? Answers the Gemara, approach number one. Second line of Yudam and Be'ezela, Amar Abaye, Yeshiva, during the seven days, during the seven days of what? Take a look at the first Rashi, that smaller collection of Rashis there on the inner margin. Ela Amar Abaye, Yeshiva, Siyamim, Shel Prisha, the seven days where the Kohen was separated, Lo Palig, Rabbi Yehuda. There is no argument there. Devadai Mechayev, Dumi Yudasukah. So back in the Gemara, Amar Abaye, Yeshiva, during the seven days of the Prisha of the Kohen God for Yom Kippur, everyone agrees that during those seven days in the Lishkas Parhedron, there was absolutely a Chiyav Tava Mezuzah. Nobody argues. How do we look at the other, let's say there's 354 lunar days, subtract seven. So for 347 other days of the year, was there a Chiyav of Mezuzah by the Lishkas Parhedron? 
says the Gemara. That's the machlokas that we have, uh, that we saw in, the, uh, in our Gemara. Rabbanon, Savrei, Gazrinon, Shona, Atu Shiva. The Rabbanon were of the opinion that the Dindo, Raisa, that everyone agrees to is for the seven days of the preach of the Kohen God of Yom Kippurim. Masha'in came, the remaining days of the year. They, that was only a Dindo Rabbanon. Review the Savar, Lo Gazrinon. The other days of the year, there is no Gzera. No, we know that it's a din raisa. We know that those seven days are, are mido raisa. And nevertheless, Rabbi Yehuda still seems to say that it's derabbanan. That's how what he said on the previous summit. So we still have to figure out Rabbi Yehuda. So therefore, the Gemara gives a long-winded answer, which ends on the last line, which is where we will stop. Sorry, we're a third of the way down, six, seven lines down, Yudam at base. Everyone agrees that for 347 days out of the year, not including the seven days of Prisha, the Kohen Gadol Yom Kippur, everyone agrees that there's no mitzvah of mezuzah midoraisa. Kipligi b'shiva, the machlokes is whether or not there's a mitzvah, a mitzvah midoraisa or midorabonon during the actual seven days of Prisha. The sukkah time aluchud, the lishka time aluchud, and there's different rationales within both sides of the Rishon or Yehuda and the Rabbanan, there's different rationales for Sukkah as there would be for Lishkan. Let's go through each side, halfway down. Sukkah time aluchud, here's the rationale for Sukkah. Rabbi Yehuda l'tayme damar Sukkah diraskeva bo'inan u'mechaiva b'mezuzah. By Sukkah, Rabbi Yehuda is of the opinion that it's a din do So that's his sheet that's reflected here on this Amun. The Rabbanan l'tayme damar Sukkah diraskeva bo'inan u'mechaiva b'mezuzah. The Rabbanan held that no, a Sukkah is not a gzera do but um, it is a gzera do but not as it relates to mezuzah. And uh, because it's a dirasarai, there's no chiyu from mezuzah. But by lishka, their shitas are flipped. The lishka, six lines from the bottom, the lishka, time of What's the reason why by lishka we, we hold what we hold? So that's a machlokas for Rabbanon and Rabbi Yehuda. Five lines from the bottom, Rabbanon savre, dira bal korcha, shma dira. That if it's a place that you're forced to live in, we still consider it to be to be a base dira. Rabbi Yehuda Savar, no. Dira bal korcha lo dira. When you're forced to live somewhere, it doesn't have the status of a base dira. We made it that we put a mezuzah there so that the Kohen didn't feel like he was locked up in a room, well, like a ball and chain. You're not locked up in a room for, uh, it's not the worst thing in the world. You're the Kohen Gadol getting ready for Yom Kippurim. We're going to put a mezuzah there to make you feel like, as I mentioned, you're going to feel like a good person. So we had this whole conflict within Rabbi Yehuda. You said that really the mezuzah is the Rabbanan I, but you seem to say that Sukkah is the Raisa, says the Gemara. Split. Totally different svaras on each side. By mezuzah, he holds that it's really uh, no chiyuv whatsoever. We just meet the Rabbanan. We do require a mezuzah there so that he doesn't feel like he's Chavosh Bebeit Saser. But by Sukkah, Itaka does hold that it's a dindo right. So we'll stop right here on the bottom of Yudam at Beis. Tomorrow, Mir Tzashem will learn Daf Yud Aleph and Yud Beis Amad Aleph. Tomorrow, Thursday? Yeah. Okay, wishing you all a beautiful night.